friends! Welcome to Wild Hearts with Janine. I'm Janine, the host of this podcast, as always. And I'm really excited to introduce you today to my friend Mia. She's amazing. So kind, so sweet. We've known each other for quite a while. Our topic today, I think, is just such a fun one to get to talk about because it's something she is so good at, and that is cultivating an intentional life, which I know that's like kind of, you're probably like, what does that mean? And that sounds so ethereal and so out there. It means just being really intentional with the people in your life, the way you spend your time, your energy, your, the way your space is set out, and Mia's just really good at this. So so let's go ahead and get started. Mia, say hi. 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 I'm so <laughs> glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. We're, well, I should say thanks for having me because we're literally sitting in your closet. We are. I just figured, you guys, this would be really good acoustics, so we're here. We're in her closet, <laughs> in her home, where I've been staying for like a week, because her and her husband are so generous. So, Mia, can you introduce yourself to the listeners, kind of share who you are, where you live, yeah. what you do, and then a fun fact. Okay. So, I'm Mia Higgins, and I'm going to tell them how old I am, because you asked me. You asked me to say <laughs> how old I am, and I'm not even embarrassed about it. Good. I'm 38. But I legitimately thought you were 32. <laughs> Which is so sweet, and you could just keep thinking that, but I'm 38, and we live um, just outside of Nashville. It's just south of Nashville in a cute little town called Thompson Station. It's a very big word to use It is a, a big word, I know, yeah. it's ridiculous. And I live here with my husband. We've been married for 11, going on 12 years. Amazing. And we have a little 8-year-old mm-hmm. named Jace. Not so little anymore. I know. I know. But he's so fun. He's super fun. He's real busy and so fun. So, yeah, we've been um, here in Thompson Station for a couple of years mm-hmm. and a fun fact about me is I didn't think there was a fun fact until I moved to the south by the way mm-hmm. um, but a fun fact is I don't really have a middle name which is so strange because I'm pretty sure everyone else in the world does I know but I didn't think that <laughs> but I'm Latin and so it's not that outside of the norm oh. in my culture oh so, yeah have you given yourself a middle name? I would give myself a middle name if I didn't have I one. I totally did, but I'm really sad I didn't do it when we got married to make it legal. Oh, because that um, process I've heard is kind of a nightmare. It is a nightmare, and so that's why it's not legal, but I go by Mia Bella. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, now, how do we know each other? And I'd just be really interested to kind of hear from your perspective, maybe like the first time we met or had a conversation. Yeah, so we met each other at Ramsey, mm-hmm. where we worked together, And um, I just remember um, being in my department and this fun little bubbly girl coming up. And I was like, who is this girl? Why does she have so much personality? There's a lot going on here. (laughs) Wait, what's funny is I can actually really imagine you saying that. Yes. (laughs) She has big laughs. So I'm like, there's a lot of personality. And I was like, I was, I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was a lot for me. Also, I was like fresh face 23. had just moved to Nashville from California. So... So it was, what, six years ago? Yeah. Wow. It was six years ago. So crazy. That's crazy. Okay, and last icebreaker question before we get into our main topic. Uh, What is your favorite place you've ever been or a place you're hoping to go? Okay, so I'm going to share both. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to say that the favorite place I've ever been is Italy, because we got to go there to Rome for our honeymoon. But it's not. It's actually San Francisco, which (gasps) we went to for our 10-year anniversary two years ago. Yeah, you did. I did. I just loved it. I think part of what I loved about it is that when we went to Rome, we went on debt. 
And when we went to San Francisco, it was fully paid, oh, and there was yeah. just a totally different feeling about it. Plus, mm-hmm. I just really loved the food in San Francisco. It's a great city. It's expensive. Yes. But it's a great place to visit. Because you guys stayed, if I'm remembering correctly, you stayed in the North Bay, right? We did. We stayed just north mm-hmm. of, of the bay mm-hmm. and um, drove in each day mm-hmm. when we wanted to go. But the little area that we stayed in was, like, super, super cute. Didn't you have, like, one really traumatic experience, though, while you were there? car rental oh yeah well apparently it's normal in san francisco for your window to get crashed open <laughs> yeah, and for you to be robbed they're like one in every three cars that happens to and i'm like well you should have told us that when we got a rental and so <laughs> um they stole my husband's computer bag probably thinking there was a computer in it but i was just really happy they didn't steal my makeup bag because that was like in the front seat and way more valuable <laughs> Because the computer wasn't in the bag. Correct. There was, was like, scarves and bottles of water. Also, I'm not trying to, like, make you guys worried about going to San Francisco. No, you should absolutely fine. go. It's wonderful. Just just, just get the insurance on Get the, the insurance <laughs> <laughs> Um, What was your favorite thing you guys did there? Well, we when we travel, we really just love to travel like locals. So mm-hmm. we really just love to, like, literally park and walk around mm-hmm. and go every single place. We walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. We did that in Italy, too. So I don't know that there's, like, one particular thing other than eating. And I don't know if you can I was say a, eating is your favorite thing. I was about to say you're a total foodie. <laughs> every time I go to a new city where I know you've been, I text you. And I'm like, Mia, where do I need to go? Like, when I was in Austin, you just sent me all these places. I do. I, I get really excited about food. So. Yeah. And their food there is just so fresh and... Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, it's fabulous. The Asian, like, Asian food there was, like, I know. It's Asian food and Mexican food. Yes. Are so good in the Bay Area. Just so good. Because you just have a lot more influence there of those cultures. That's really good. Man, I'm craving the burrito. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always craving the burrito. Uh, and where are you uh, looking forward to going or hoping to go? So, I we, I did my DNA last year mm-hmm. for Christmas and found out that most of my DNA is from Spain. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm super excited for my 40th birthday. We are going to be visiting Spain. In eight years? Because you're 32? No, yeah, in eight years. <laughs> in eight years, yeah. Do you know where you want to go in Spain? Now? I don't, because you're going to tell me. I am going to tell you. <laughs> You definitely want to go to Barcelona. Okay. And then we can talk offline. About yeah, you're going to plan my whole trip for me. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Let's move into our topic, which is how to cultivate an intentional life and specifically why it's so important to you. So what does an intentional life mean to you? Well, you know, this is my favorite topic. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I'm like, because it comes so naturally for me, I never really in the past thought of it as anything unique. Um, but I just have, over the years, have had people say, you're so intentional, you're so intentional, which is a way overused word, so. I know, I know, right? <laughs> so it makes me kind it's of like sad. It's authentic. But, but it comes very naturally for me. Yeah. Um, and so it really just means living a life that aligns with your values. Mm-hmm. And I think you have to um, stop and figure out what your values are, like mm-hmm. the words to it. And so it just really means living a life that aligns with your values and putting everything through that filter. Mm-hmm. What would you say are some of your values or your family's values? Faith is a big one. Mm-hmm. Peace. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly seeking peace. Mm-hmm. Authenticity. Mm-hmm. Probably a little bit of humor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> even if it's a little off, I mean, if my, even if it's a little dark sometimes, it is humor to me. <laughs> But I'd say those are um, really, really my key, like, my values. Oh, and connection. That's a really big one for Mm -hmm. me, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, intentional connection, right? Yeah. Not just, like, connecting with everyone. No. (laughs) No. We'll talk more about that later. Your face. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, uh, we're both pretty big fans of minimalism. Like, we don't subscribe to all of it because... I think we both kind of agree. You have to adapt it to who you are and your lifestyle. But what made you decide that that was important to you? 
And how did you adapt it to your life as a mom, as a wife, as a friend? I was telling you this earlier. I have come to learn about myself that I get very overwhelmed with abundance. Mm -hmm. I know everyone in our society is seeking abundance, Mm -hmm. but I've learned that the less I have, the more intentional I can be. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to tell a story about the plates, the plates that are overflowing with food. (laughs) Yes, please tell the story, which I just learned, and I think it's so interesting. So another fun fact about me, Mm -hmm. I say, I am not a I am not a, a buffet kind of girl mm-hmm. because if I get a plate of food in front of me that has too much food on it, I get so overwhelmed I literally can't eat. I have to like push it away and reduce the amount of food. I on still it. don't understand, but I but I accept it. <laughs> to me, I'm like just don't eat it all. No, it just overwhelms me. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I'm so full. I'm already full because I see this just big... like looking at it. Yeah, yeah. And so I've just learned that abundance consumes my energy Mm. um, in every way. Mm -hmm. As far as adapting it, one of my very favorite books is called The Nesting Place. Mm -hmm. And I just love this book. It's an interior design book, so aesthetically I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it goes deeper than that. Like it goes into contentment with what you have, using what you have, the resources that we have. Um, And in it, the author talked about when you're designing a room... The first step to designing a, redesigning a room is to quiet the space. Mm-hmm. And what she was referring to was going into the space and removing everything from it. Wow. And then intentionally deciding what do I actually want to put back into it because mm-hmm. you have this clean slate yeah. and you have new perspective. Yeah. And that just really resonated with me. I was like, it, it was more than designed to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's actually the way that my mind works. Mm-hmm. If I can quiet the space then I have new perspective on it. And that's like in every part of my life, in my relationships and decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what the, that's what I try to do. I try to put everything through that filter. It's really interesting because at the beginning of this year, Netflix put out the Tidying Up series with Marie Kondo. Oh, Did I you watch her. that? She's the cutest. Is she not like the cutest little yes, human? I just want to so like cute. hook her little self yes. and say, thank you. Um, <laughs> But I kind of loved that because it's similar in that they had to pull everything out of their closets, everything out of their drawers, and like visually look at every single thing and see what they really needed, Mm -hmm. what was purposeful, what brought joy or what sparked joy or however she phrases it. And it also reminds me of the minimalism documentary on Netflix. I'll link to all of these things in the show notes for you guys, but... In the minimalism documentary, they did this whole thing. It was like an experiment where one of the guys boxed up everything he owned, literally everything, and then went for like a month. And when he needed something, he would pull it out of the box. So that then by the end of 30 days, you realize like what is actually purposeful. Yes. What you really need versus what was just taking up space. Yeah. And I've always been like more of a quality girl versus a quantity girl. So that's like already naturally how I think. Mm -hmm. But you know, I did this with my capsule wardrobe. I know. And I want to talk about your capsule wardrobe (laughs) for a few reasons. One, I've always admired it, but two, we're literally sitting in your closet (laughs) and I'm looking at your capsule wardrobe. So yeah, what kind of made you decide that that was something you wanted to look at? Oh, and for anyone who doesn't know, a capsule wardrobe is just... Sometimes there's a number around it and sometimes there's not, but it's basically just about being more intentional with the clothing that you choose to have. Mm-hmm. Some people have different capsules for different seasons. Some just do one capsule altogether. A number that's usually around that is around 30 items of clothing, but again, it's all ad- adaptable to your lifestyle. But yeah, what made you decide that that was something you really wanted to pursue? Yeah, so a couple years ago, I started to realize that I was constantly complaining about not having anything to wear. Mm-hmm. And I'm the type of person that, like... I feel like every girl has been there. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> and meanwhile, my closet's busting at the seams. Mm-hmm. And 
I'm the type of person that, like, I don't complain about anything for a very long time without mm-hmm. doing, something doing something about it. it. And so I was sick of I'm sure my husband was sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> he tells me now he was very sick of it. But I was sick of hearing myself complain about mm-hmm. it. And I stumbled across this capsule wardrobe thing. And I did see it was, like, a certain number. And I can't mm-hmm. be crazy legalistic about anything. So I was just like, <laughs> I don't know if I can do the certain number situation. But I love this idea. Mm-hmm. And so I started with quieting the space. Mm-hmm. I started, I removed everything. Um, and I just, I sent it through a filter of, does it make me feel good? Like whether or not I've seen it on somebody else mm-hmm. and they looked great in it doesn't mm-hmm. mean I feel great in it. Yeah. For instance, pink. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing pink in here. I don't like pink. I'm like, <laughs> there's just, I'm just not a pink kind of girl. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, I don't care if it looked great on so-and-so. I have pink things that I never wear because I don't like pink. Right. And so I took everything out and I only put back what I thought looked good or made me feel good. Mm-hmm. And I was left with very little. Mm-hmm. And then I took everything that I got rid of and I sold some of it or I gave some mm-hmm. of it away. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking about key pieces that I wanted to add back in. So that's the kind of how I did mm-hmm. it. But what really made me want to do it was like the discontentment. With, yeah. With, I had abundance. Yeah. And yet I had discontentment. Mm-hmm. And it's really, truly one of the best lifestyle changes I've ever made. Like I get ready in 2.5 minutes yeah. every day. Yeah. And the bottom line about the whole capsule wardrobe, and it kind of aligns with what I was saying earlier, mm-hmm. it doesn't align with what I value. Mm-hmm. Clothes are fine. I should dress like an adult woman. <laughs> but I don't value clothes. Yeah. And it doesn't get me closer to things that I do value. Yeah. Like, the the time saved on it gets mm-hmm. me closer to the connection. Mm-hmm. That's worth it for me. Yeah. I always felt a little bit like a minimalist when it came to a lot of things when I lived in Nashville and whatnot. But it wasn't really, for me at least, until this last year of traveling, because it's been a year now. Isn't that crazy? I left for Europe at the beginning of April of 2018. So it's just been nuts. But what I realized, living out of a suitcase, you don't pack everything. I mean, I guess you can, but like... I didn't want to do that carrying around like multiple bags. So you just realize what is really necessary and what isn't. And I can't wait to be back in Europe because now I know too, like what do I really need and what do I not? And really it just kind of continued to affirm how much I also don't value a ton of stuff. I'd rather have quality things versus like a ton. Side note, you also looked really cute every time I saw pictures of you in Europe and I never thought she kn- she doesn't have enough. She looks adorable. Thank you. It helps that I had to consider every time, like, do I want to buy another article of clothing and have to carry it in my bag up multiple flights of stairs all the time? Nope. Don't want to do it. I actually found myself getting rid of more than I was adding in, which was super interesting. Wow. By the end of the trip, especially, there was, like, a donation box up the street from my aunt's house in London, and I brought, like, two grocery bags worth of stuff and I was like goodbye I hope Londoners enjoy my American things it's so freeing though so freeing I don't get sad about getting rid of stuff I don't either because I'm like if it's not really serving a purpose or making me feel good why keep it I also think maybe somebody else would love it yeah, you know, there's things in my house I'm like sitting there and they're not getting used yes. and there's nothing to me like pain like I I'm pained by waste. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. like, why don't we just use all of our energy and resources well? Yes. And so I cannot stand a thing just sitting there. I'm like, there is somebody and this is gonna make their heart so happy, but it's yes. not making my heart happy. Do you do the Marie Kondo thing where you say, Thank you? Maybe in my heart. But not out loud. But not out loud. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, Well, I've said this for as long as you guys have lived in this home. Because I lived here before I left Nashville for two months because my lease was up, but I wasn't 
ready to leave Nashville quite yet. And it didn't um, feel like two months. It was fun. It went we by had fun. super fast. Yeah, we it had did. Fun. And then every time I've come back to Nashville since, I've stayed with you guys for at least like five days because you're like family here. But every time I come in, and I've told this to you before, I literally did it the other day when I drove up from Atlanta because I'm here before I leave Nashville. I walked in, no one was home, and audibly out loud, I said, God, I just love this house. Like, it's such a haven of peace. It's such a like safe space. You are just really good at cultivating a home that feels peaceful and safe, like a refuge. It's amazing. Thank you. Um, how and why did you curate this space the way that you have? Well, first of all, and I've told you before, when people say that, it just like warms my heart. It's mm-hmm. the best compliment anybody can ever give me. We don't even have the biggest home in the neighborhood. It actually is the smallest home in the neighborhood. Is it really? It is. You know, every time I drive through, I'm like... <laughs> Do any of these houses look the same? They all are. They're huge. They're all two levels, if not. Yeah, they're big. Yeah, like big homes. But mm-hmm. like, to us, like this is everything we could ever want or need, mm-hmm. and serves the, all the purposes we need as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just get really excited when people tell me that, and that not only like that you've told me, but so many people yeah. told me. So that just makes me really, really happy because <laughs> it's really truly like it's my prayer for this space. Mm-hmm. And when we were working really, really hard to get this house, so yeah, many years. you worked for a long time. We did. We worked really hard. Um, we saved for a lot of years. We had some temporary living situations. I mean, it was hard. We, um, we prayed for this space for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And um, as we were praying for it, we knew it was more than just what it would look like. Mm-hmm. Like it was more than um, just beautiful decor or what the inside or outside would look like. Mm-hmm. That it was um, going to serve purpose for our family mm-hmm. and for anybody that walked through the doors. Um, and that was our prayer for this space: is that mm-hmm. it would be a safe place that anyone could stay um, and anybody could enter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think. Part of that is, you know, for me, it's like I said, it's bigger than decor, Mm -hmm. although I do really love like pillows and... You love pretty things. I do. But you are not someone who rushes and feels like you need to have it all at once. I feel like every time I've come over, there's like one new addition that helps complete the space in a way, but you didn't... You, you waited for it. And you always wait for a good deal, which I really appreciate. I but it's funny because every time I come, I'm like, oh, that wasn't there before. Oh, that's new. Where did that thing I go? I love how you notice. Yeah, I like details. Yes, and I, I just love this house. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you're right. I do. I keep like a little list mm-hmm. of like some of like the things that I'm really hoping for in the seasons to come. Mm-hmm. But I will wait very patiently because I like almost never buy something full price. Dude, that's a virtue because nowadays we are all very impatient. Well, it's something that's grown in me because <laughs> um, I'm not patient with certain things, but yeah, I am patient with a good deal. <laughs> um, but you know, it's more than the pillows or mm-hmm. the, the or the throw blankets, which I love. It's about creating an atmosphere that cultivates the values that we say we have. Mm-hmm. And so, if I say that my values are connection and faith and peace, mm-hmm. how do I make the atmosphere? align with that mm-hmm. how do I tangibly make someone feel that when they walk in the door mm-hmm. and so there's a couple ways that I do that mm-hmm. number one for me I need order yeah so mm-hmm. I try to really keep an orderly space it doesn't mean it's always clean but mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I come undone when it's like <laughs> chaos everywhere <laughs> just this morning you were like you were talking so fast and you were cleaning as you were talking to me <laughs> it was like what's happening and it's too early for me now. yeah 
And nobody was coming over either. I was just like so unsettled because mm-hmm. it wasn't orderly. Mm-hmm. And so that's one way I do it is really just trying to keep an orderly space. Um, music. I mm-hmm. constantly have music playing in this house. Mm-hmm. If I'm here, there's music. Another thing I do, and one of the things I love about this house is the natural light. Mm-hmm. And so when I wake up in the morning, like the first thing I do, number one, start co- coffee. Coffee mm-hmm. first. Um, <laughs> but then after that, I open every blind in the house. Mm-hmm. And my husband, like he would sit here all day with, the, with the blinds closed and I come home and I'm like oh my god it's dark <laughs> open lights we yeah, need lights yeah yeah so that's another thing and then another thing I try to do is make it cozy yeah and so yes I like the pretty pillows and blankets but it's more about like is it going to invite somebody mm-hmm. to sit down on my sofa and cuddle up and maybe mm-hmm. even fall asleep I'd be happy mm-hmm. if they did I wouldn't even care mm-hmm. so that's what it's about for me so with that why do you think it's so important to be so intentional with our physical spaces I just think, number one, I think I'm really sensitive. Um, Mm. My senses are really heightened. Mm -hmm. And so I just think I feel the sense of a room when I walk into it Mm -hmm. and maybe more so than the average person. Mm -hmm. Um, But I can pick like all of it together, the sense, the sounds, like the feel of the people that are in the room. Mm -hmm. That's why I always love peace. Like I just want to keep a peaceful atmosphere. I'm always like, stop yelling. Everyone stop yelling. (laughs) (laughs) And I have an eight-year-old, so that's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I just think like, you know, I, I pick up on all that, like, more than the average person does. And I really am a detail person. I just think details and atmosphere matter. Mm-hmm. And it sets the stage for whatever life is going to happen mm-hmm. in that space. Yeah, it's interesting because before I left Nashville, I lived in a super cute little house in Berry Hill, so which cute. is a little neighborhood in Nashville. And my room, I loved my room so much. And it was so hard to leave. It was a really cute room. I was legitimately so sad because I had, like, very intentionally, again, kind of cultivated this space and this... For me, it also needed to be a place of, like, peace and very simple, very minimal. But my life was super chaotic at the time um, with all my jobs, paying off debt, doing all that stuff. That I needed the place I came back to to just be calm. I needed the calm so bad. And I think I kind of did a similar thing where I was just really intentional. I was like... I don't need a lot of stuff. I don't even want a lot of stuff. And thank God I didn't have a lot of stuff because I ended up having to get rid of it anyway. But, you know, I wanted everything to serve a purpose. Like I had a desk so I could write and I had a bed because sleep is important. Yes, and Jesus. didn't sleep enough, but <laughs> it's important. And, you know, it was just like this space I could go into and I just loved it so much. I think you articulated that so well, like how the space can change how someone feels inside. Yeah. And that's always my hope is that as people experience, including me sometimes, like experience chaos walking out the door, mm-hmm. that as I come back in, like that the space mm-hmm. can change that in me mm-hmm. immediately. And it helps set you up to like really focus, like kind of just what you've been saying about values, to focus on the things that are the most important to you. So whether that's your relationships, your family, your uh, time with the Lord, like whatever that looks like, your space can really set you up to be in the best possible position to then focus on the things that are far more important than yes. everything else, all the noise, all the clutter. Yes. So good. Let's move on to, like, relationships. I think this is really fun because you tend to keep your circle pretty small and stay very loyal to your people. You are an Enneagram 6, which is called the Loyalist. <laughs> with that in mind, how has this helped you to live intentionally and purposefully? I am a 6. You- <laughs> I'm, a real, I'm a real 6. Remember when we didn't know what I was and then you were like, you're definitely a 6. I think, I, well, I think you said you, I think you were really sweet about it and you were like, I think you should keep exploring because I thought I was a one. I oh. thought I was a one or a five. Oh. But I do have a strong five wing. Yeah. 
That's so interesting. It's not an Enneagram talk, I know. I do remember, it was when I, right before I left, it was when I lived yes. here before I went to Nashville, or before I left Nashville, rather, and we were going through the road back to you. Yes. And we were reading all of them, and I was like, let me read you all these things about a four so that you can affirm that I am a four. And you were laughing. And I'm not. So you're not a four, no, no, no. Yeah, you figured out that yeah. you were a six. Yeah, I'm very much a six. So a lot of people think that I'm really social, mm-hmm. and I've been told that a lot, like, oh, you're so social. But I'm like, no, I'm really not. I'm just really relational. Because mm-hmm. yeah, you're more introverted. I'm, I am. I do lean more towards yeah. being an introvert. Mm-hmm. And so I think I come across that way, but the reality is is that I'm super relational, which mm-hmm. means that I feel like I need a lot of energy to invest in those relationships. And so I've learned that I just can't, I just can't give everything to everyone Mm -hmm. without it exhausting me. And so this is another area that I really want quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I kind of have my people, Mm -hmm. I call my people. And I just think intentionality in any area of our lives, like this is the most important area. So relationally, like the people you surround yourself with are really, truly the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just want to surround myself with people that uh, really are bringing out good fruit in my life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) What is that? There's like a quote and it's something along the lines of like, you become a reflection of the five people you spend the most time with. It's so true. It's so so true. Yeah. So being intentional with those people that you're really investing in and who are investing in you. Yes. And I think that's interesting because we live in a culture where we're like overly connected as a result of social media. Well, it's kind of like this pseudo connection because it might not always be in real life. And I think that's something I've had to realize lately is like, you can be, you can only really be connected with so many people. Social media creates this, like, false illusion that we're connected to hundreds and thousands, maybe, people. But, like, really, only so many can shape who you are and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And that and that may change in different seasons mm-hmm. of your life, I think. I just want to go, I want to go deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, I want to go deep. And I just don't think you can do that with everybody yeah. at every season of your life. Yeah. It's not a what's in it for me conversation. So I'm not asking myself that, but I'm asking like, what is this cultivating in me? Mm-hmm. And I'm asking myself that regularly mm-hmm. because I said, like I said, like it changes in seasons yeah. and I know that there's purpose in each relationship. And I'm mm-hmm. always asking myself like, what is the purpose? Sometimes that's like just really growing me. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I'm like, I have a friend who might be different than me and it's just really growing me. Um, <laughs> truly. I'm laughing because we're really different. <laughs> we're so different. <laughs> It's so true. Uh Like, you have all the feelings. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. (laughs) You're so kind. (laughs) And it does. It stretches me. It Uh makes me go there. And I don't think if I didn't have those relationships in my life that I would naturally want to go there. Mm -hmm. So... Well, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It wants to go into uncomfortable places willingly. Exactly. Exactly. So... And I don't want to hang out with people that are all like me. True. That'd be awful. That would be real boring. (laughs) Be like a cult. Yes. I don't want to hang out with me all the time. Like, that would, no. 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 Like, like, ten me's? Yes. So, no. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of, there's always going to be people in our lives who are a little more difficult, maybe even unhealthy. What would you want to share about, like, healthy boundaries with people who are more difficult or a little more unhealthy in our lives? I told you earlier this was one of my favorite questions Uh because it's an area that I have grown the most in the past five years probably mm-hmm. I'd say about, about mm-hmm. the past five years in the past uh because I'm a Lewis because I'm a six I can usually make a pretty quick decision on whether or not someone's my person mm-hmm. and I think I learned that a difficult person is not necessarily difficult they're just different than me mm. 
mm-hmm. and dismissing somebody so quickly mm-hmm. is also me missing opportunities to grow. And I was telling you that mm-hmm. I especially have this thing with Enneagram fours <laughs> where God just hey. keeps putting them in my life. <laughs> And our relationship in particular has been one of the ways God has shown me that. Because when I first met you, like I said, there was a lot going on. (laughs) For me, there was a lot. It was a lot of emotion. And (laughs) I truly wanted to run for the hills. Oh, my God. I was like, this is a lot. What are we doing all of this? Breaking news, everyone. (laughs) It's been the most, one of the most beautiful relationships Mm -hmm. in my life and fulfilling relationships in my life where you've become a part of our family. And think of how I could have missed that if I would have walked away and just said, you're difficult because Mm -hmm. you don't operate the way that I operate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was telling you, I'm like, there's all these fours in my life. Mm -hmm. Like God just keeps sending them to me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. what am I supposed to do with these people? (laughs) And all their feelings. And all their feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it's just really cool because I'm like, they can tap into something in me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can have these very, like, emotional conversations with my four friends mm-hmm. that I would just never have with other people. Mm-hmm. And they just are able to tap into that. And it's just such a cool opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned to see it that way. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of that, <laughs> I do also really lean into my faith and use discernment and say and assess regularly. And there are times where I'm like, this is not a healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. This is not cultivating anything good in me and I'm not cultivating anything good in this person Mm -hmm. and I am very open-handed with my relationships and constantly checking in and Mm -hmm. assessing it and saying is this something that needs to be in my life and is it producing good fruit in my life I know that just from personal conversations we've had that we both have some people in our lives or have had people in our lives who've been on the very unhealthy side in the sense that it was a lot of taking our energy and our time and not a two-way street in a lot of ways. And so realizing like you just have to kind of let those grow apart and that's not always easy, but it's actually probably better for both people involved when that happens because then you're severing an unhealthy tie so that you can both grow in your own ways, right? It's not easy. It's not easy. And I think um, a very mixed message for me in my life as as I've come to be a believer, which I wasn't growing up. Mm -hmm. And so as I've come to be a believer, there's been this message of you have to love everybody, Mm -hmm. which is true. We are called to love everybody. Um, But sometimes loving somebody well Mm -hmm. is having a boundary. It doesn't mean because you love them that you have to love them. You can love people from a distance Mm -hmm. and have that healthy boundary and show that to them Mm -hmm. because some people don't know what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And so I've just learned that I can love someone Mm -hmm. and they still don't have to be a constant part of my life Mm -hmm. if it's not producing good fruit. That's so good. I know we didn't touch on this, but I really want to make sure we do. Going back to kind of why you've curated and cultivated such an intentional space in your life and you're so intentional with your relationships is because you kind of came from a place of having a lot of chaos, right? I did. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I grew up um, in a really broken home. Mm -hmm. There was constant chaos. I was parenting my parents in a lot of ways, and I had a lot of siblings, and I was you know, I felt uh, the weight of parenting, parenting them, even if that I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember from early on, in the midst of all the chaos, mm-hmm. always trying to create a more peaceful surrounding, mm-hmm. whether that meant like in my whole home or even in my bedroom. Mm-hmm. I would just always, I would be folding everything <laughs> and cleaning everything. Mm-hmm. Anytime anyone came over, I would want to clean beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I just think that 
um, it was my way of coping with everything being so uncertain in my life. Yeah, because I think I can relate with that on some levels just from coming from places of a little bit of dysfunction and how that I think probably really does play into why we're so conscientious of the spaces we walk into and then the spaces that we create. Um, Whether that's your physical space, like your home, or even just like the space of your presence and how you connect with people and communicate with people. And Mm -hmm. there's some psychology there. There is. And it's good stuff. (laughs) Okay, last question. What's your biggest piece of advice for someone hoping to live more intentionally? Well, I would say to assess what you value. And I think we all know what, like, I think we probably know what we value, but I don't think we often stop to really put words to it. Mm -hmm. We maybe overcomplicate it. And I think you just need to sit down, quiet the space. And say, what is it? Mm -hmm. Using a couple words, like mine again, are peace, authenticity, connection, and faith. Once you have those, then you take everything in your life through that filter. All relationships, your lifestyle, Mm -hmm. all of it. And would would you advise that people, like, write it down? Like, get really intentional in writing the things down? Because, I don't know, I think about, like, when I'm goal setting or even when I have, like, a to-do list, I find it to be so much more helpful when I actually write the things down so that I can look at them. For sure, yeah. I think, like, before we moved in here, when we were saving for it, um, that was one of the questions we asked ourselves, is what do we want people to feel when they walk in the door? Mm -hmm. And we wrote down those words. And then we designed the whole house based upon those words. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think writing it down makes it tangible. Mm -hmm. Hey friends, I'm just hopping on here real quick. Well, we're just hopping on here real quick because we realized after we were recording, me and I were having a conversation about social media. Well, I was kind of talking at her about social media because I have a love-hate relationship with Instagram, and now it's more of a hate-hate relationship with Instagram. I'm working through it. It's fine. Anyway, (laughs) we were talking about it and um, just how frustrating it's been lately with all the ads and algorithms and all the different things going on with that particular platform. And Mia shared a really great tip and insight into how she posts on social media. She's really intentional, especially when it comes to Instagram, and I wanted to make sure we included it in the episode. So, Mia. Hi, friend. Hi. We're back. Yeah, we're back in your (laughs) closet, and I literally leave Nashville tomorrow morning to head back to California, so we are getting this in. It's crunch time. Way past my bedtime. Way past your bedtime, it's true, (laughs) but we have to get this out there. So, you have three key questions you ask yourself before you post on Instagram or Facebook, most social media platforms, right? Yes. Okay, so what can you tell us about those? Let's start with number one. Okay, so I'm going to give you a little bit of history, but I noticed with social media for me that I've learned that I really have to manage my motives Mm -hmm. when it comes to it. Um, Because I think you could just get wrapped up in the like, how many likes you have or followers? I don't even know what the algorithm is. (laughs) Um, So I just realized some time ago that like, um, I just wanted to be really intentional about what my motives were in Mm -hmm. posting and what it was all for. Mm Because I'm such a white girl. So I'm like, what is the point (laughs) of all of this? Um, So I just decided that much like I shared earlier about my values that I had to have like a couple filters for the purpose for each of my posts and I don't always get it right and sometimes I just post it because like my friend Janine takes a beautiful picture of my family (laughs) and I'm like oh my gosh like this beautiful picture of my family but (laughs) I try to do this filter and so I will go through does it encourage or inspire somebody that's number one that's number one okay does it encourage or inspire the people who will see it yes Mm -hmm. does it 
make somebody laugh or and or just extend themselves some grace. Is that number two? That's number two. Okay. And I'm like, it's like hashtag me awkward moments. Like <laughs> I have a lot of those really yeah. awkward moments. And sometimes I just want to be like, hey, you should just laugh at yourself. Because real life. Because real life. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is, does it point someone towards Christ? Mm-hmm. And there's so many different ways it can do that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be like overly packed with mm-hmm. all the things but mm-hmm. like I think there's a lot of way you can so you can do that and yeah. so I just always ask myself is it accomplishing one of those things and if not what is the motive behind mm-hmm. it just like looking at does this post point everyone that sees it to something bigger than just themselves I think being in the generation that we're living in right now or the era that we're living in right now it's very self-focused um, literally like selfies and a lot of self-promotion, things like that, which aren't inherently bad, but can feel kind of gross when you see it all the time. So looking at the way you post on social media and the things that you share, kind of going through whether it's those kinds of filters that you have or making your own, like I would really encourage all of you who are listening to kind of write some things down and look at your why. What is your motivation? What is your purpose? What are you hoping to accomplish with posting that photo or that story or whatever, being intentional. Yep. And you're the queen of intentionality. (laughs) Okay, guys, we had to add that in because it was so good. So now back to the normal programming, I guess. (laughs) Oh my gosh, this has been a really good topic and just something where I think a lot of us are feeling kind of the burn and the burden of living in a culture of too much. Like there's so much stuff. We're bombarded with so many ads. Freaking Instagram. Can we just like sidebar for a minute? Too much. I'm so mad that Facebook bought Instagram (laughs) and now it's just full of ads. There's just always like, it's almost sensory overload in a lot of ways. And I think that a lot of us are really hungry for just a simpler way of living and a simpler space, just peace and refuge and calm in a world that feels really chaotic. So thank you for sharing your heart on this. We're not done yet, though. Oh, goodness. We got some fun little (laughs) wrap-up questions. So this is my favorite question to ask because um, I've gotten some, like, funny answers, some really serious, deep answers. So knowing what you know now at 38, (laughs) what would you tell yourself at age 20? This is going to be really exciting because that was, like, almost half your life ago. I know. Girlfriend. (laughs) I told you I was struggling with this question a little bit because I was like, there's so many things. I want to tell the 20-year-old me so many things. You can, like, share as many as you want. (laughs) Number one, I would tell my 20-year-old self, be patient. Mm. Wait. And I would say I'm not a patient person in general. Mm -hmm. I know you think I'm patient just with costs, you know, just with spending money. (laughs) But I tend to not be patient in some things because I'm like, if it's broken, let's fix it. Mm -hmm. I would say wait and Mm -hmm. be patient and specifically wait on your husband Mm -hmm. because I just think about the last 10 years and I'm like, I should not have had these past 10 years with anybody else. You know him. He's Yeah, great. JJ's wonderful. <laughs> He's pretty great. I love JJ so much. I know. You guys talk feelings together. We do. Uh, sidebar, <laughs> when you lived here before and I would come out, <laughs> I would come out from my bedroom um, and you guys would just be sitting there crying together. <laughs> What's funny is he's not even like, he's a seven. Yeah. But he, like, he, like, sometimes feels like he's a four. I don't know. I think that, too. I think sometimes I just, because he can, like, help me have fun, 
And then I am also like, let's talk about like the other things. That we just cry together. It's, it's really funny. And then when you guys, I see you crying, I just get my drink and walk out. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, too many feelings. I gotta bounce. <laughs> so I would just say wait, and I want all twenty year old girls to wait and not settle. Ah, please don't. You settle. know that's like the message of my life. I know. I want on you a to keep person, waiting. on a, on a place on a whatever like settling is not worth it and that's not the heart of god he doesn't ask us to settle for anything less than his best but we so often don't have the patience or the trust or both i think at 20 i thought my expectations were too high in every Mm. area of my life i think i had that message a little bit throughout Mm. my life is like i would hear you know like well it could be worse and granted it could be worse Mm -hmm. but if god's given you a vision and a dream Mm -hmm. i don't think you should settle Mm -hmm. and I have learned now at my age is like all those things I waited on Mm -hmm. are the best things like my career and my husband and my child. Like, I'm just so glad I didn't settle. Yeah. So that's my number one message. Um, But my second one. Yeah. (laughs) Quit striving. Oh, that's like, I just want to write all the words about this in particular. And I don't think I ever really knew I was striving my whole life. Um, But. I think there came a point recently where I burned out and I was exhausted mm. from striving. Um, and I think everything that I needed was already in me and mm. it was given to me already by my creator. He was already doing all the work in me and I didn't need to be striving the way I was. He was cultivating life. everything in you already. Yeah. I yeah. really just needed to surrender. Mm. Like I needed to surrender to him and trust, which I'm not great at, <laughs> and trust that he was doing it. And he was trustworthy, and he was going to handle it in his time. Mm-hmm. And I think because of my background, I learned a lot to control, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot to create my own story, and that's a really slippery slope. I'm, like, like shaking my head the hardest <laughs> yes. I've ever... And by shaking, I mean nodding. Yes. I'm like, yes, and yes. amen. I feel that on a spiritual <laughs> level in every way. Yeah, it's a really fine line between um, persevering, like mm-hmm. being a person that perseveres, and then being a person who is controlling and trying to create your own story. Yes. And so I am still learning that. Mm-hmm. It's something that, you know, I think I'll have to, I'll probably struggle with every day of my life. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a lesson I'm finally getting. Mm-hmm. So be patient and quit striving. Yeah. Who or what is inspiring you lately? <laughs> so <laughs> I was sharing with you earlier that I am doing the She Reads Truth Bible in a year. Mm-hmm. And, and we realized we're both, for the first time, yeah. reading the Bible all the way through. Which neither one of... Yeah, we've never we've done. We've never done. Yeah. And we didn't know this. No, we didn't <laughs> until like 30 minutes ago. <laughs> um, but it's really cool. And it's really... Um, it's inspiring me to keep seeking, mm-hmm. keep asking really hard questions. Um, because there's some things that are in there that you're still like, wait, what? What's happening? I don't Why do we do that? Yeah. <laughs> What's the purpose? <laughs> Especially Old Testament. Oh, and that's where it's creating perseverance because I am like, number one, I don't want to read through it. I'm just like, there's so many words and so people many names. and names. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so exhausted with uh-huh. all they're doing in the Old Testament. I'm like, y'all, I'm tired for you. I wonder if that's partly why, like, it's part of the Bible so that we can see, like, waiting for Jesus obviously was worth it because his grace has done so much for us that frees us up in a way to just, like, go and be about the things God wants us to do in the world. Yeah, that's a message I'm taking from it. Mm -hmm. I don't know what else I'm supposed to get from (laughs) it. Well, it's okay. It's only only a few months into the year. Okay. (laughs) 
So the She Reads Truth Bible in a Year study plan is what you are being really inspired by yeah. lately. I love that. Okay, so last question. In your opinion, what makes someone a wild heart? This is the hardest question. <laughs> are you serious? Yes. Well, <laughs> because there is nothing wild about a six with a five wing. <laughs> We are calculated. Yeah, very analytical, very logical. Very analytical, yes. And so I was almost like, I can't even answer this question. There's nothing wild about me. But there is. But there is because one of the other things I am learning Mm -hmm. is that for me, being wild really is just acting even when we're scared or Mm. even when we don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And I have had to do that a lot in the past couple of years. That's like, you know, reckless, really. (laughs) For you. I think that that's beautiful because I think we live in a time in a society where we feel like we should have all of the answers and have everything mapped out before we take that first step. But in a lot of ways, it's kind of the antithesis of faith. Yes. Because God, when you look at the Bible, he asked people to do things when they had like the first step and that was it. And then he's like, yeah, but do you trust me? And that's ultimately what it comes down to, right? So doing it scared, quote unquote, doing it scared is just leaning into the promises of who God is Mm -hmm. and believing that he's going to come through. Yeah. I just adore you. And you and JJ are like, you know, you're like my older siblings. And I just, which, (laughs) but you're married. So you're not siblings. (laughs) But (laughs) I think you told us that the other day. And we were like, I think you said we were my old friend, my older friends. Did I say that? I probably did. I didn't mean that. We died laughing. (laughs) I just meant like you're my friends who are, have more wisdom and because you guys were helping me figure out like a better savings account plan. Oh, yeah, we were talking about money markets. And, and like retirement. <laughs> old person topic. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should like retirement. <laughs> and you were like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how. <laughs> but I just love you guys in the way that you have kind of grafted me into your family. I feel like Jace is kind of like pseudo aunt, which is yes. really fun for me. He loves you. I love him too. <laughs> and I just think that you guys are so good at as we've talked about this whole episode, creating just such an intentional space and especially one that is for connection and for going to deep places and for talking about the Lord, which is ultimately the most important thing. So, and y'all should follow Mia. I'll link all of her social media stuff in the show notes. And yeah, I just love you. Love you too. <laughs> Thanks for tuning into this episode of Wild Hearts with Janine. I hope that through my conversation with Mia, you find yourself inspired to get out there and get more intentional in every aspect of your life, from your physical spaces to your relationships, even on social media. And the next episode will be another solo cast with me, and it's going to be all about money. So we're going to be talking about saving, how to budget, how to pay off debt, and even how to set specific financial goals like saving for a trip. So if you have any questions you want to submit, feel free to send me an Instagram message or an email at hello at janine.com because I'm going to be doing my best to answer all of your guys' questions on that episode. So I will see you guys in two weeks, but until then, keep dreaming, seeking, and stepping out in faith.